Turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And as you're turning there, it is Thanksgiving week. So, what do sweet potatoes wear to bed? They wear yammies. Yammies. Why did the farmer have to separate the turkey and the chicken? He was tired of seeing all the foul play. How does Thanksgiving always end? It always ends with a G. I don't know how you spell it. So my kids keep telling me to stop telling Thanksgiving jokes, but I just can't stop cold turkey, you know? Amen. But it is Thanksgiving week, so I pray that we praise and we give thanks to our precious Lord for all of his rich blessings upon us. Amen? And thankfulness, you know, being thankful is the heart of contentment. Being thankful is the very heart of contentment. And that's our goal, to be thankful and content every single day of our life. Amen? That should be the goal of every born-again believer. So let's pick up in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, and we're going to uh, finish the, the message we started last week. And it's one verse. God said, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So to covet is to have that unlawful desire towards something that is not rightfully ours. Amen? To be clear, there are lawful desires. There are uh, rightful and godly ambitions. As long as they don't conflict with the word of God, there is nothing wrong with desiring things. God indeed wants to bless us with things. Amen? So there's nothing wrong with things per se, as long as they don't conflict with God's words. So what we're focusing on are those unlawful desires that the Bible calls covetousness. Amen? The first nine commandments, again, deal with our deeds, but that last commandment, that ten commandment, thou shalt not covet, deals with our desires, deals directly with our hearts. And until we deal with our heart, the Bible is nothing more than a bunch of rules and don't do thises and don't do thats. Amen? We have to get our heart straightened out. So the first thing we did is we identified the problem. And the problem is covetousness. It's a big problem for three main reasons. The first reason is that it's deceitful. It's very hard to recognize covetousness in ourselves. Amen? We can definitely and easily see it in others, can't we? But it's hard for us to see it in the mirror. Most of us, you know, once we're saved, we can rightfully say that we're not guilty of of breaking most of the Ten Commandments anymore. But none of us can get past that last one and say that we didn't want to, right? Maybe we didn't steal, but we wanted to. Maybe we didn't cheat, but we wanted to. To covet is to have that unlawful desire to have something that is not lawfully ours. Amen? So, again, last week we identified the problem. 
So now let's, um, or, or that first uh, reason it's a problem is, is because of um, its deceitfulness. The second reason is that it's depraving, right? It describes and declares our depraved nature. Mark chapter 7. Jesus said, from, uh, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a man. Again, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We are born with that sinful, depraved nature. Amen? So the third thing about covetousness is that it's also destructive. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6, 1. That is the heart of this message. Amen? That is the heart of thanksgiving. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Covetousness can and absolutely will destroy us. Amen? Money is the root of all kinds of evil because covetousness is the root of breaking God's commandments. Amen? Now that we see just how big of a problem that covetousness is, let's consider a solution. Amen? Let's talk about the solution. Well, the solution is having a proper perspective. Having a proper perspective. It's important as a born-again believer to understand two important things. Who we are and what we have in Christ. Amen? Who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13. Skip it down, starting at verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We will always be covetous until we learn how to be content. Amen? The truth is that we all need and we all desire satisfaction. It's just how we were created. We all need and we all desire satisfaction. But when we covet, the problem is that we're looking for satisfaction in the wrong place. Amen? That's where it leads to covetousness. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content 
with such things as you have. For Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So think about that for a moment. What do we as born-again believers, what do we have that ought to make us content? Now, I want you to think on that for a minute. We're going to come back to that question. I want to share something with you about Ernest Hemingway. Everybody's heard of Ernest Hemingway, right? He was a brilliant and gifted writer. This man had wealth. He had fame. He had influence. But many of you may not realize he also ended his life by committing suicide. This man who had everything in the world's eyes. Listen to an excerpt of his writing. Listen to what he wrote. He said, Life is just a dirty trick. A short journey from nothingness to nothingness. There is no remedy for anything in life. Man's destiny in the universe is like a colony of ants on a burning log. And then he took his life. I can guarantee you one thing. He was never invited to give motivational speeches, was he? Amen. But on a, on a serious note, it's a very sad outlook on life, isn't it? But even more sad is the fact that his perspective, that negative, hopeless perspective is the same as most unbelievers out in the world. That's the same perspective that unbelievers, the unsaved, have. Apart from Jesus Christ, they have no purpose. They have no hope. They may accumulate wealth and possessions, but they're still left with that void deep down inside of their soul. They search the world over from end to end to find satisfaction, but what are they left with? That emptiness still. Amen? You can hear testimony after testimony of, of, of athletes and, and, and stars, you know, on end, they had wealth beyond measure and fame and influence, and, and they still had that emptiness in their heart, that void. I remember Deion Sanders, great, uh, great athlete, played football and baseball, had scholarships for both, and um, after he finally won the Super Bowl, you know, the pinnacle of being a football player, he said, you know, that's all he ever wanted in life. But he said, after the game... He just went back to his hotel room, empty. He said it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. And he found that Bible in that dresser drawer, and he opened it up. And he gave his heart to the Lord. But he said his whole life he was trained to reach that pinnacle, to win the Super Bowl. But it still left him empty, and it left him void. Without Christ, we're left with no answers, no purpose, no meaning to life. This is why we see, it seems like week after week, people going into you know, crowded places and just opening fire. Because their life has no meaning. Their life has no hope, no purpose. Because they don't have Jesus Christ. All because they have an improper perspective without Jesus Christ. 
They haven't experienced. They haven't tasted his joy, his peace, his purpose, his satisfaction, the contentment that he gives every person that comes to him and receives him in faith. They don't have that. They've never experienced that. Let's get back to that question I asked earlier. What do we have as born-again believers that ought to make us content? Think about that yourself. Number one, first and foremost, at the top of our list, we have the Lord himself. Amen? We have the Lord God himself. And he has us, more importantly, in his almighty hands. 73rd Psalm, verse 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Not only do we have the Lord God himself, what else do we have? We also have our family. Amen? Our family. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. It's not the attitude of the majority, is it, anymore? The fruit of the womb? God says that is a reward. Now, we all have to admit, those who have family, with family comes extra trials, right? Extra heartaches, there's no doubt about it. But family also brings joy. It brings love. It brings blessings that are beyond measure. And another important thing about family, I cannot bring money, I cannot bring things or possessions to heaven, but I can bring my family. Amen. I can absolutely bring my family. Many today, you know, I counsel a lot of people, many today, couples, they don't want children. And you know the main reason? So they can have more stuff. They don't want children so they can have more things. They say children make a rich man poor. I don't believe that's true. I believe children make a poor man rich. Amen. So what else do we have? We also have new friends and a new family in Jesus Christ, don't we? Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That is God's desire for every born-again believer. You know, I talk to a lot of people, and you witness to a lot of people, and, and they don't go to church, but they say, I, I don't need to go to church. God says we do. 
He created us to have that fellowship, to have that need to uplift one another. Even if we don't need it, guess what? The other person does. Amen? And he said, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit himself, God's Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So in Christ, we also, not only do we have our family, but we have a new family. We have new friends in Jesus Christ. What else do we have? We also have a new wisdom, a new discernment. Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 13. God said, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds, wisdom's proceeds, are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. See, friends, God is given us the proper perspective right there in those verses. We as God's children, we ought to have that perspective. That we would never trade the wisdom and the knowledge of this book right here for all the gold in the entire world. Amen. That is what God is telling us here in these verses. Never trade that wisdom, that discernment of God's word for all the gold in the entire world. So many today are walking in just utter dark helplessness. Why? Because they don't know what we know right here in this book. Amen? They don't know what we know in God's word. What else do we have? Well, we also have a peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not the peace that the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The wealthiest of people, they will absolutely confess that they had no peace in their life. No matter how many possessions, no matter how much they were worth, they had no peace in their life or in their heart, no matter how much stuff they accumulated. That's just truth. Because they didn't have Christ. Amen? What else do we have? We also have complete satisfaction in Christ. Or at least we ought to. Amen. Philippians 4.11. The Apostle Paul, listen to what he said. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Did you catch that? 
no matter what state he was in, whether he was shipwrecked, whether he was in prison, doesn't matter. He said, I learned to be content. Why? Because he had Jesus Christ in his heart. He understood. I pray that this makes it very clear on how important it is to have a proper perspective. Jesus said, I will never. How long is never? (laughs) It never ends. Amen. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Apart from Jesus Christ, life has no meaning. Life has no purpose. Therefore, there is no hope without him. Amen. Now that we've identified the problem and we see the importance of having a proper perspective, next we need to see a solution. Now let's consider some practical practices, some some practical things that we can put into place. You know, it's great to be able to identify the problem of, of covetousness, but that falls well short of finding a solution, doesn't it? Doesn't help us much. So what we need to do is identify what we need to do to overcome covetousness. Amen? We need to apply and put into practice these principles. Number one, we have to give all of our heart to the Lord. Amen? You say, preacher, I gave my heart to the Lord a long time ago. Yeah, but did you give him all of your heart? Amen? There's a difference. We need to find satisfaction, complete satisfaction in our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is the one. We have to let Him meet the deepest needs of our heart. It's in Jesus Christ that we live and that we have our being. Plain and simple. We were made. We were created for Him. The Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we were created, we were made for Him. He is the only one that can fill that hole, that can fill that void in our heart and in our soul. To get rid of covetousness, we have to let go of this world and grab hold of Jesus Christ with both hands. Amen. Plain and simple. Second thing we need to do, is we also need to develop a spirit of gratefulness and thankfulness. Amen? We ought to be thankful and we ought to thank God every day for all that we have. You know, that list that we just went through, that is just the tip of the iceberg in what we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? If I've really listed everything that we have in Christ, we wouldn't leave here until after Thanksgiving. That's just truth. We sift through a closet full of clothes, and then we say, I have nothing to wear. Right? We click through a thousand channels, and we say, there's nothing on TV tonight. Our children have a room full of toys and electronics and all this stuff. And what do they say? Mom! I'm bored. Right? What does that stem from? And we need to be honest. It stems from an ungrateful heart. Amen? 
We have to be honest. It stems from an ungrateful heart. We fail to acknowledge all that God has blessed us with. Amen. We forget where it all came from. What else do we need to do? Well, we also need to learn to love one another. I want you to think about this for a second. When we covet, that means our love of things becomes greater than our love of that person. You understand where I'm coming from? When we covet, our love of things becomes greater than our love of that person. If we truly love that person, then we would rejoice in what they have and not desire and covet their stuff instead. Amen? You know that friend? Maybe they're just an acquaintance. Maybe they're not quite a friend and they roll up in their brand new $100,000 car. What's your first attitude? Are you thanking God that he blessed them with that? Or are you grumbling inside of yourself? We need to thank God that he blessed them to be able to get that. That's true love. This is a great telltale sign of covetousness inside of us. When people share their blessings with us, do we rejoice and praise God? Or do we get jealous and wish we had that? Amen. We ought to be thankful, not envious, for what others have. That is true love. That comes only from a loving heart. Amen. That is the true aspect of true, true love. Plain and simple. What else do we need to do? We also need to understand who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ. Not just know it up here, right? We tell people all the time, you know, I'm a Christian, blah, 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 but we need to know it here and understand what it comes with. Know it deep down inside our heart and our soul. We are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible tells us, amen? We are his righteousness in Christ. And not only do we need to know it, but we also need to share it and we need to teach it to our children and our grandchildren more today than ever, ever before. Amen? We need to teach them not to get their identity from social media and the internet, but from where? The very word of God. Amen? That's where we find our identity. Not on TikTok, not on the other social media platforms. We find our identity in God's word, and we have to teach our children that too. Amen? And lastly, we also need to learn to give. Say, but preacher, I, I, I think I give. This needs to be at the top of our list to cure covetousness, learning to give. I heard this testimony a man shared. This was 
couple years back, but I want to I share it with you. He said he was out and about with his young son when his young son asked him if they could get some fries, some French fries. Dad ordered a large fry, and they went, and they sat at a table. The dad, not really hungry, didn't order any for himself. He just reached over to try to grab a fry from his son's large fry. And all of a sudden, he said his son with both hands covered those fries and said, no, these are mine. The dad said three things immediately came to his mind. He said, number one, his son had forgotten from where those fries came from. He said, I'm his dad. I'm the one who gave it to him. He said, number two, he had forgotten that I have the power to take them all back if I wanted to. And he said, number three, if I wanted fries, I have all the means that I need to get them for myself without him. He said those three things immediately came to mind, and he concluded that his son had an attitude and a gratitude problem. He then went on and shared that God immediately spoke to his heart. And he said, son, you are the same way. He said, you also need to remember from where all of your blessings come from. For I have the power to open the heavens or to shut them up and remove all those blessings. I am the Lord God. I also have the means to get and have whatever I will with or without you. The dad said that he immediately fell right on his knees and he wept. And he thanked God for all that he had. We all need to understand these same truths. God does not need us or anything that we have. Amen? We desperately need him. And when we do understand this, it's then that our hearts will open wide and so will our giving. We will shake covetousness right out of our heart when we learn to give to God and when we learn to give to others and give first, not our leftovers. Amen? Too often we get, we get caught up in that snare and, and we say, well, I got to pay this and I got to pay that and I got to pay this. And, and then we end up giving God what's left. That is a bad habit to get into. Amen? Let me tell you something. If you want blessings... If you want your bills paid, if you want your ends to meet, you make God your first bill. And he's not a bill. You want to give because you want to give. Amen. Give to God first. Not your leftovers, and you're going to see blessings start piling up. Amen. We'll shake covetous right out of our heart when we give first and not the leftovers. You see, that is the true sign of a thankful heart. That comes from being thankful to God. And out of that thankful heart will flow true contentment. Amen? I hope and pray that each and every one of you have an absolute blessed Thanksgiving.
Slow down. Take some extra time to spend with your family, with your friends, those that you love. 